0: I hope you're strapped in and strapped on. STI and herpes stigma. Finding the root cause of why you feel so much shame. Let's not use the term clean because your body is not dirty.
1: More fun and more pleasure. Because that's all important, whether you have herpes or not.
0: Well, thanks for joining me. I'm super excited. For folks kind of listening at home, I'll share that today I'm chatting with Stephanie Boyd, um, who does breathwork coaching, kind of focusing on pleasure. Um, She specializes in mentoring people so they can have more fun in their life and business while making more money, which all sounds very good to me. (laughs) Um, I, I feel like you do a lot more than that though and I'm excited to kind of dig into everything that you and um, of course today we're going to be talking kind of specifically about STI and herpes stigma which definitely plays into kind of helping people living their best lives um, with the kind of most pleasure and confidence um, so super excited to have you on.
1: Yeah I'm so excited too it's such an important topic for so many people to hear even if you don't know you have herpes or have never been diagnosed with it yourself it's just such a common thing and the stigma is just something that's played a huge role in it and it's time to say no more stigma
0: <laughs> yeah definitely i feel like with herpes in general um like the the positive shift in conversation around it i think has taken kind of a huge movement on social media i feel like existing in the sex education realm on Instagram. Um, I'm just seeing more and more people talking about it in a positive way, or, or talking about, um, kind of ridding the world of the stigma and changing how we talk about it and, and perceive it. And, um, that's been really great to see, but I, I do feel like even though, um, I'm, you know, a am a sex educator, but I teach middle schoolers. So STIs are something that we talk about, but not as in depth as, um, an adult educator, but, um, it just feels like, you know, we don't talk about it enough. And then there's a lack of education kind of publicly around it.
1: Yeah. And I think that's like the biggest part is the education around it. You know, like even for the middle schoolers, like knowing that like cold sores are herpes, yeah. you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's sexually transmitted to them. Like that's the way that they got it. But unfortunately people's cold sores can be passed to people's genitals Which I never knew, you know, (laughs)
0: until like I got noticed. I was like, oh
1: shit.
0: (laughs) No, for sure. I had two people, like close personal friends who had that happen um, in college. And it was one of those things where, especially when we were 19 or 20, no one knows anything about STIs because we're like, I mean, just practicing safe sex and like whatever that looks like for an individual, whether it's actually kind of safe or mindful at all. Um, And I had two people who were like, oh shit, like, I'm definitely having a herpes outbreak on my genitals. I don't know where it's coming from. And it was oral herpes, like having an outbreak on their genitals. I mean, that's something that like baffled everyone who was told about it or found out about it.
1: Yeah, I know. I remember my first time getting inside of um, herpes support groups over on Facebook. I made this like cute graphic. I was like so proud of myself. Like I finally came out of like the closet that I have herpes. And I make this cute yeah. graphic that's like um, common facts about herpes, right? And I'm like, HSV1 equals oral herpes. HSV2 is genital. Oh my goodness, the hate messages <laughs> that came through. And I was, yeah, I was I can like, imagine. ouch,
0: this hurts. It was yeah, so no, bad. that's. <sighs> It's, it's it's it can be frustrating because as much as people want to um, make sure that the information out in the world is accurate, people also love to be mean on the internet. Um, so mean, and it's t- it's tough to navigate those um, those interactions, especially when like it's hard to find clarity on a subject on the internet, like herpes.
1: Yeah, because everything is just so back and forth of like, it can be passed this way or it can't, or HSV-1 is better than HSV-2. Like that's common with the stigma, but the more research that's been done about it, they literally are like viral twins you can get either yeah. type anywhere on your body. It doesn't just have to be your mouth or your genitals. Like mine outbreak comes out on my butt cheek. Like people are like, "What the hell? Like how does that even happen?" <laughs> I have friends that like it yeah. comes out in their nose. Like it can anywhere it wants to choose to come out. Like it just does its own thing. And it's a virus. Like yeah. That's what people don't understand. Like it's just a virus.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um okay, before we get too much into this because I feel like I have I have a gazillion questions. That are sparked from that plus that I've prepared. So, before we get too deep, let's give folks a little bit of context as to kind of your background, how you got into coaching, and of course, you've obviously just shared that you do experience or you I don't know if there's like a politically correct way of saying you have herpes, you live with herpes, you are of the herpes community. Um, So, like. Can maybe tell us a little bit about that journey and, and how you got to where you are today?
1: Yeah, of course. So I've been into like personal development and all of those things probably since I was like 18 or 19 years old. Like I was reading like Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, like The Road Less Traveled, like all of these books. <laughs> and I always would say like I could see myself being like a sex therapist or a life coach, or th- but I had no idea like what that could look like. Like I didn't know that this area on the online space existed So I just continued Mm -hmm. with my life and I was bartending for many, many years. I still do bartend. I'm now on the side. And then in 2017, that's when I got my first herpes outbreak. I truly believe that for over a year before my initial outbreak that I was having like so many symptoms. Like I was having sore throats every single month before my period. I had super low, bad um, back, lower back pain. And I was mm. like, oh, it's because my core isn't tight. It's because I'm bending over, picking up bottles. Like I never was like, oh, this yeah. could be herpes. But like <laughs> it can lay at the base of your spine. So that makes sense for me because that's where mine is on my butt cheek. Yeah. And um, when I got diagnosed, my doctor basically was like, you know, as long as you're on the medicine and you're not having an active outbreak, like basically I could continue to live my life as normal. She didn't mention anything about disclosing. She Mm. didn't like really have any information. Cause I personally was like, well, how did it get on my butt cheek? Cause I didn't know, you know, that it just picks the nerve path. And that's for me where it chose to come out on. (laughs) And she had no idea. She was like, you know, obviously that was an awkward question I'm sure for her to answer too, but like, I need answers lady like how did it get on my butt cheek
0: i feel like i absolutely would have asked the same thing i'd be like so like we've like fucked wow. from behind and that's how i got it like is that like i i don't i th- that's what i was I thinking
1: i was like trying to like go back to like okay like who did i do this like who? what, did, what was i doing <laughs> yeah
0: yeah totally
1: so i think before all of that i actually had gotten diagnosed with chlamydia so, my body, like I was on the um, antibiotics for the chlamydia, and I, my body was like trying to fight all of that off. And obviously, it couldn't handle yeah. trying to work its way through all of it. Um, so, after I got the chlamydia, I was like, holy shit, like who gave me this? <laughs>
0: like, great. Yeah.
1: Because, like you were saying, like, whatever safe sex is to people, safe sex to me was just trusting that the other person was going to communicate
0: that they.
1: We're tested.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that is that oftentimes how it goes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Obviously, it looks a lot different for me now. But
0: back oh then,
1: it, there was like no conversation. I just trusted that it was fine. I was like, I'm on birth control. That's my protection. Yeah. Um, and that really wasn't, obviously. Um, And then uh, I kept living my life for, you know, the year, there were a few guys that I had been with that I didn't disclose to because I was told that I didn't have to. And I remember, you know, speaking publicly about that too. And obviously the backlash that I got from that, which it's fine. I totally understand because so many people have been diagnosed who weren't given the opportunity to make the choice to continue down that road with somebody that has it. So I understood the backlash, you know, but I also was like, well, this is part of my story. So like, I've grown from this. I'm obviously now public about it. Like there's nothing I'm trying to hide. And then one day, like, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. It was always on my mind. Like, when's my next outbreak going to come? When's this? Like, is somebody going to accept me? Like just 24 seven worried about an outbreak. And I was like, all right, I think it's time, like, oh, and then, like, three people came to me, like, one weekend telling me about their herpes, and I was basically like, all right, I'm pretty sure that, like, I need to just say something about this for more people to feel comfortable, you know? Like, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Like, for me, like, I'm not really helping many people anymore, like, outwardly with herpes. Like, I'll still talk about it sometimes But that like part of my journey, it's like so much more in depth than just the herpes diagnosis. You know, it's like finding the root cause of why you feel so much shame around this diagnosis in general. And it all stemmed back to like when we're children, right? Like we're just told that we have to carry the shame around inside of us. So I've like just switched focuses and I've been like, um like you said doing more of the breath work and just more over like trying to have more fun and more pleasure because yeah. that's all important whether you have herpes or not.
0: Totally. Yeah, no. And and I think that's um that's super important too that like um not not to alienate people who live with herpes, right? Like your coaching anyone's coaching like that's for folks who live with herpes or not because really at the end of the day like we're all people who are trying to live our best lives and experience pleasure and confidence um so that's awesome um i would love to know kind of how in that journey you navigated kind of getting to a point of like vulnerability and comfort and confidence yourself to kind of like angle from dealing with that shame and stigma into um, your work now?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I honestly, I've always been like a positive Patty type of person. Like I've always been optimistic. Like this is who I've always been. Obviously with my diagnosis, it did put a damper on Mm. my self-esteem and all of that. And like, I've always struggled with body image issues and other things like that. Um, But what really set my journey off is I um, decided to take a program to overcome emotional eating.
0: Mm. And
1: through that journey, I was like, holy shit, like everything that I need is already in here. And then I just kept taking course after course with coach after coach. And I was like, look, like this is who I'm meant to be. And yeah. I started doing just, like, more somatic work and, like, releasing, like, traumas that were, like, in our body rather than, like, only focusing on the mindset because there's only so much that you can do for the mind. But if you're not moving the energy through your body, too, like, everything, it's it's just not going to – you're going to come back to, like, square one eventually. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it was, you know, like, when I went public about it, obviously, like, I was a bartender um, in a very popular uh, restaurant. So like, I knew, like, how many people would see my post about it. Um, right. And I was like, shit, like, the guys that I have had sex with, like, are they ever going to want to touch me again? Or any is any guy going to want to touch me again? If I'm public right. about this, um, what are women going to say <laughs>
0: that oh, yeah. i talk
1: this. And when I started to look like past all that and realize like how many people it could help by just me being, you know, positive and bringing a different light to it rather than being like, oh, like I'm scarred forever. You yeah. know, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not scarred yeah. forever. Like, this has made me more awesome because now I don't hide any part of myself and there's no reason for anybody to.
0: I love that. Yeah. I think, um, and I, 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 can imagine that that mindset ties into your somatic work and the trauma work as well, because it is, it is really like, there's so much shame around so much of what we do as human beings. Um, And I know I personally, like in, in the podcast, I try to be really open about my own trauma experiences, my own like mental health, like journey, because I think it's really important to normalize, like, yeah, we're talking about sex, but also like, there's a lot of stuff that riffs off of that and relationships that um, we should all just kind of like, normalize and, um, talk about more comfortably. So I love that. Um, so you were talking about how, um, kind of for the year leading up to your first herpes outbreak, you experienced a ton of symptoms that, um, I mean, I was going to say aty- atypical symptoms, but frankly, I don't know if if they're all that atypical. Um, but it, it's so herpes can live in this kind of like dormant or a, traditionally asymptomatic air quotes, um, kind of like version of itself. Can you kind of like explain for folks or, or provide a recommendation as to how to be mindful of herpes? Because it seems like it's not what we're told publicly in terms of like how to handle it.
1: Yeah, for sure. So based off of like the information that I know, um, obviously I'm not a doctor. So, and I probably know more than a lot of doctors about herpes, (laughs) to be honest, because doctors, they usually only get about like 10 hours of sex ed in their, in their doctorship, whatever the hell it's called. Um, So I would say that obviously if you're feeling like sick every single month right like and you're like what the hell like for me it was literally like I thought I had strep throat every single month because my yeah. life are so swollen that they're trying to fight off an infection but also knowing that one if if you do have it and you never have an outbreak because like you said so many people are asymptomatic until a super stressful event or maybe you get pregnant and then you get actually tested for it mm-hmm. um but, like if you the lower back pain um flu like symptoms like all of these things like they all get not like pushed to the side because those are all common things that happen right. you know throughout our lives, so it really is just like paying attention like if you have like a like a razor cut that looks something like a razor cut or something that looks like an ingrown hair or a pimple that doesn't seem to be going away like that technically it could be herpes, but the only way to, to know really is to go get it swabbed. Like blood tests these days, they really aren't that accurate with it all. I know Mm. somebody personally who, you know, they get cold sores. They tested positive once for the blood test, and then they just got tested again and tested negative, but they, they literally have had outbreak cold sores. Like, so it's, it's wild to think about. And also knowing that like, A lot of women, from my understanding, like after the age of 50, like going through menopause and our hormones changing and all of that, like that's when they'll experience like a first outbreak. And a lot of the times, you know, these women are like, did my husband cheat on me? Did my partner cheat on me? Like, what was this looking like? Because, you know, you're with somebody for 20 years and all of a sudden you're having an outbreak and you're like, this seems a little fishy, but it could have been lying dormant in your body literally the entire time. So I always try to like, preface that with people of like, you never know, like you could have already had it. And then something, you know, stressed you out to the point of like, now you're having an outbreak, but it doesn't mean anything about you. I think like, that's what is the most important part to take out of all this is like, whether or not you ever have an outbreak or not, it doesn't mean anything about you. Just like it doesn't mean anything about anybody else.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. um, And that's, it is nuts to consider. I mean, obviously my assumption at least is that the herpes virus is not the only virus that can live like this, right. Or it can exist for 20 years and you have symptoms that, you know, I mean, I feel like anytime I have any weird lower back pain or or anything, I'm, and I had a ankle injury several years ago. So now I have just like chronic joint pain all the time. So I'm always like, Oh, like that's just another thing my body's doing and it's totally fine. And something like that, I would never, ever be like, I should go get a test done. Like it just wouldn't, I would totally breeze past it. Um, So folks, it's important to listen to your body, <laughs> go get tested for everything. And herpes too is not on the traditional STI kind of screening panel. Correct. I feel like or at least in my experience, I don't think um, it's been for me. I've had to ask for it.
1: Yeah, most places you do have to ask. And a lot of the times you're going to have to advocate for yourself because if you're not having an active outbreak, most likely they're not going to want to test you because it is so common with people. So they're like, why waste the money on this test when you yeah. you probably either have it now or you're going to have it at some point.
0: Yeah, man, they don't make it easy, do they? Um, <laughs> yeah. They just really don't. It's just, <laughs> yeah, another problem in the system. Uh. uh can you kind of tell us um, or have any recommendations for how folks can work to process um, the reception of a diagnosis? Like at at the start of finding out, okay, I have a herpes um, diagnosis. Um, how do we start deconstructing some of that shame?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think first, stay off of Google. <laughs> right? Like stay off yeah. of Google trying to figure out like, I know the first thing I wanted to know, like, was how long have I, could I have had this for? And I remember being like, okay, I saw the first thing was like two to 14 days, and then you can like have an outbreak after you've been exposed. And so I'm like texting a guy like, okay, it was like 14 days ago that we had sex. And now I have this, like, what the hell? Um, Yeah. So knowing that again, it can lay dormant for years and it can lay dormant for your entire life as well. Um, so, you know, really there's so many like sex positive accounts on Instagram that you can look at. I really like like positive results.us. She's, um, a really great account to follow. She's also a nurse. And then another one I really like is H on my chest. He's doing a lot of, um, just different work to, Um, merge like mental health and STI prevention like together, which Mm -hmm. I think is super important because once you start looking at these people's pages, you're like, oh shit, like it's not as uncommon as I thought, right? Like when we're diagnosed, we're like, I'm the alien, nobody else is dealing with this, not realizing that there's billions and billions of people in this world who have either gone through this experience or will at some point in their life.
0: Yeah, and I – not to out my mom on this, but – and I've shared in other podcast episodes that my mom, um, like, was a swinger for years, like, was a big part of several kink communities. Like, she, for, you know, the first 45 years of her life was, like, out there doing it, all of it, um, which I love and commend, but – I definitely remember being a teenager and, and her sex positive positivity is t- totally how I ended up in like the sex educator world, but, um, where she was like, yeah, I've had a herpes outbreak. And I, cause I was trying to talk to her about STIs. It's, it's totally more common than we think.
1: So much more common. I mean, I just started <clears throat> messaging a guy from Bumble and I disclosed to him and then he's like, oh yeah, I had outbreaks too. Like I haven't had one in 10 years though. And I'm like, okay, were you going to tell me? <laughs> Yes. You know? when,
0: when does that and, come and, up?
1: Right? Like, and probably not. Like most, yeah. some people don't think that they have to tell those things, especially if they haven't had an outbreak in 10 years, right? They're like, oh, like that was just part of 10 years ago. That's not now.
0: Yeah. So can you kind of on that note, kind of clarify, um, I mean, for for me and folks listening, how or what living with herpes is like when it comes to, uh, I mean, you said, this guy hasn't had an outbreak in 10 years, um, and but you were talking to him on Bumble and, and disclosed um, at kind of whatever point in the conversation. What, what does just living with herpes look like?
1: It's honestly going to look different for every single person because everybody's outbreaks are so different. So for me, I mm-hmm. consider myself very lucky that it's on my butt cheek, um, for one, because when it's on your genitals, it can be a lot more painful for people. Um, you, I get uh, really bad nerve pain down my leg when I'm going to experience an outbreak. I'm just really tired, but like day to day, like it's not something that I really think about. Like if I'm dating, like it's important for me to disclose now just to like have that conversation because I am such an open and honest person that if you can't handle a conversation just about herpes, like you, you're not going to be the one for me. So I got to make sure you can handle this conversation and then maybe you can handle other things about me too yeah (laughs) so yeah it really does look different for everybody
0: yeah no that that makes total sense um when thinking about disclosing is that something that you do whether or not you think anything is like whether you think something's gonna be casual or serious is just something that you kind of like bring up pretty early on in part because it's a good, um, kind of like deal breaker, yes or no situation.
1: So it's different for me with everybody. So if I feel like I went on a date with a guy like twice and I just wasn't feeling like the sexual energy or like thought that like we would kiss or anything. So I wasn't going to bring that up to him. Like, so it's just based off of the person's energy. Like sometimes if we're, you know, texting for a little bit and then like, you know, they make like a sexual comment. I may just be like, hey, before we take this any farther, like I was diagnosed with herpes in 2017. Not sure if you know much about the virus, but I'm one of the lucky ones who knows. That way I can inform people about it. And then I just say, if you have any questions, like feel free to ask me and I'd be happy to answer them.
0: Do people like typically respond to that well? Like is the majority- for the most
1: part. Yeah, I think for the most part, like- maybe like I think the most backlash I've ever gotten for talking about it was like on TikTok but like when I'm telling people like on Bumble or Tinder or whatever it may be like I've never had somebody be like ew like that's fucking gross you know like I think like I'm past attracting I say that now let me knock on wood like those type (laughs) that type of energy into my life watch me like disclose somebody and they'd be like you're gross but like you know, obviously the older we get, like the more mature people are. And like, I think it all depends on the way that you communicate it too. If you're like, so I really, you know, have
0: to tell you something and you're probably
1: not going to like it. Like who, who's going to like anything that is pre-framed that way, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point. And I, um, I was wondering as well, like, what are some reactions, um, people have had, um, that we're on more of the like negative end of the spectrum? And what are, what are ways or some of the best ways to respond to those reactions?
1: Yeah. So I think like the only real negative ones, like I said, I've had are like people that comment on like Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, never really specifically in dating so far. Yeah. Um, but the way that i i personally would handle that is just laugh <laughs> and
0: say <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> and say okay thank you for your time you know like because i'm not here to prove my worth to anybody like if this is something that's going to be a deal breaker for you or again you can't even handle a conversation around
0: stis yeah
1: then most likely you're not taking um you're not being proactive over your own sexual health. Like that's not sexy to me.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, I, I usually assume the worst of people. So I am happy to hear that people in your like dating experiences have been nice because in my head, I feel like people are just assholes anytime they have a chance to be. Um, I need to absorb some of your optimism and, and more like positive energy. So I'm always like, people suck. Um, but that's, that's great. And I, and I love that mentality too, of just like, if people aren't going to be receptive to Uh, I mean, frankly, the the facts about herpes and STIs in general, that they're not going to probably be the kind of person that any of us want to have in our lives, uh, romantic or otherwise.
1: Yeah, like it's a part of me. It's not going anywhere. And again, like if they have questions about it, I'm more than happy to answer the questions, you know, because like if you're curious, whatever, but I'm not here to like prove my worth to you or like think that I deserve less of anything just because I have this virus.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Um, and I guess I, um, like, part of my concern for folks who do have some of those negative encounters of people who are, like, um, mean or, or cruel or, or just like, oh, I'm not interested in you automatically because of this thing, um, you know, like, the primary concern there is how do we keep that from becoming, like, a long-term self confidence issue because I do feel like we tie in um like our perception of stis in general to like sexiness which doesn't really make sense when you think about it but is is part of the way that we talk about it still
1: yeah I mean again it would be getting to the root cause of why we're wanting the approval of somebody else to begin with right mm-hmm. like it's never about what the other person is saying it's like the way that we're taking that information. Because if somebody to me was like, ew, like you have herpes, like, oh my God, all this negative stuff. Yeah. Like that's more of a reflection of who they are, not mm-hmm. anything to do with me. And the more that we work through our own confidence, regardless of herpes or not, the deeper that we can love ourselves and be like, okay, like if somebody's going to treat me this way, that's not okay for me. Yeah. Whether it's a friend, a family member a romantic partner, it doesn't matter. Like your self-worth comes from you, not based off of somebody accepting a part of you.
0: I feel like everyone needed to hear that. Everyone go back, (laughs) rewind 15 (laughs) seconds. Everyone hear that again. (laughs) We all need to hear that. So my therapist would be like, so glad that I'm hearing that right now. Um, (laughs) And I feel like, um, so a big problem I have um, with the way that we talk about and perceive STIs and herpes is the language that's still in play. So like I've been working to kind of teach my kids, hey, when we talk about STIs, like you might hear folks say, oh, I don't have any STIs. I'm clean. Let's not use the term clean because your body is not dirty or shameful, no matter what kind of diagnosis you have. Um, Are there like words that we can kind of like Facilitate using instead to promote some of this positivity and like normalization of, of STI diagnoses?
1: Yeah, what I like to use is STI free or STI negative, like negative or positive, not free, STI negative or STI positive.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Why, you know, it's not dirty or clean. Like you said, it doesn't matter if you have something or you don't. Like, either way, I just took a shower. Like, I thought I was clean. <laughs>
0: Just because I have an STI doesn't mean I'm not squeaky. Everything is yeah. ready to go. Um, no, I love that. Yeah, that's that's good. And I and I think too that keeps it medical as well because I feel like keeping at least in my head keeping it medical and talking about the way something actually exists in practice is much better than than um, this like dirty shameful language.
1: Yep. I couldn't agree more because people do, you know, they do feel dirty after a diagnosis because that's the stigma behind it is somebody with herpes is dirty. And again, I just showered, so I'm not dirty.
0: <laughs> I know for a fact, I'm definitely absolutely clean. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> um, that's great. Do you, Um, so you shared that you are working with clients who are, you know, herpes positive or herpes negative. Um, I'd love for you to kind of share with, um, listeners kind of a little bit more about the, the kind of work that you do. I know you talked about working kind of on the, um, the breath work and at the somatic level. Can you explain that a little bit more for folks that way? Um, if they want to kind of reach out to you, get on your, uh, website and, and check it out that they know kind of what they're looking at.
1: Yeah, for sure. So breath work is just a way for us to like process stuck emotions in our body. A lot of the times we're so used to just like breathing so shallow, but with breath work, you're mostly like doing, um, Continual breathing, just to again release emotions that are stuck. So your the breath will literally do all the work. Some people will laugh, some people will cry. Whatever experience you're meant to have during it is the one that you're meant to have, and it's it's so so powerful. Um, I also do a lot of um, subcomp subconscious uh, reprogramming Mm. with uh, neuro linguistic programming is the technique that's called I do hypnosis so it's kind of like a blend of all these different techniques and it's catered to like each different person of like okay like where are you coming in at let's let's see like where the root cause was that you know you started to feel this shame or this fear or this guilt around maybe not even herpes. It could have been something that you may not even be aware about. And then we get to uncover that. Mm. And from there we can work with it and get different learnings. That way, like you feel more confident in it all. So it's really, really powerful work. And like all the modalities that I use, like I've had used on me as well. Mm. So they're so, so powerful.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Um, And do you find that a lot of that, a lot of the stuff that folks uncover is like, sex related, sexual trauma, sexual health related, or is it more, it can be absolutely anything and just kind of the outcome results in like better self-confidence, better self-esteem?
1: Yeah, I think that it can really be anything, but I do think that a lot of our society is sexually repressed Mm. because we have so much sexual shame around pleasure, right? It's like, especially as women, it's like, oh, you can't enjoy masturbating or you can't enjoy this or you can't enjoy that when Like, why not? Like, that's how we got here is from sex.
0: Yeah, totally. No, yeah. enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. I always say, like, our bodies are capable of experiencing an immense amount of pleasure. And I think that as long as there is safety and respect and consent, like, we should absolutely explore all of the avenues with which to experience that pleasure, Um, which to me seems like a really simple concept. But I feel like people really struggle to get there, um, it just in part because of, um, society, but of course there can be like some individual stuff there too.
1: Yeah. School systems, church. Yeah. All the things, you know, they play a role in, you know, save yourself for marriage. Like save what? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Literally. I told (laughs) my partner is a big history nerd and I was like, let's sit down and talk about the history of virginity because I, um, I just feel like that needs to like, I mean, unfortunately a lot of it is grounded in, in rape and rape culture, but, um, which makes absolute sense. But anyway, it's just, yeah, the way that, the way that we've, um, talked about, um, virginity, sexuality in history, um, it's, it's not surprising that we are where we are today.
1: Can not agree more.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So what kind of workshops are you currently providing or client work? Um, How can folks find you? Are you taking new clients? What does that look like?
1: Yeah. So uh, right now I start a new program, but I have a three-week program that's coming out. I have a couple um, self-paced programs on my website as well for specifically people who have been diagnosed with herpes. And one is called SHED. The other one is called Rejected to Redirected. Um, Mm -hmm. They're both super powerful. And I am taking one-to-one clients right now as well. So if anybody just wants like a single session, I do like 90 minute sessions with people. And that's really about it right now.
0: Awesome. And what is your Instagram or TikTok? Um,
1: At Stephanie L. Boyd underscore.
0: Beautiful. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much. I think this is so important to talk about. um, And I hope too that that folks can get a better understanding of um, herpes in general, as well as just like the things that we as a society need to normalize and talk about in a way that is less shameful.
1: Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having me.